Good morning, everyone. We're in the process of uh, redesigning our, our uh, website, so hopefully in the next couple of weeks you'll get to uh, you know, go on there and it'll be look brand new and everything. But one of the things that, that we have been working on is, is putting, transferring all of the sermons on, onto the new website. And uh, Sam has been so gracious and kind in doing this. And so he has it in his office. And every once in a while, I hear him start one of them because he has to listen to the beginning to make sure that they're, that they're operational. And I didn't realize that every time I walk up here, I say, praise the Lord. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with that. So praise the Lord, everyone. God is good, isn't he? I want you to do something uh, in front of you, or if you're sitting on the front row, you may not have one, but you have a copy of some sermon notes or, or a, just a blank page. I want you to take that for a moment, and you're going to need a, a pen or a, or a pencil or something to write with, some type of utensil that you can write with. And here's what I would like you to do. I'm gonna write, I want you to write down something in just a moment. That song we just sang about at the cross, isn't that so pertinent? It's powerful that, that our life really began at the foot of the cross. And all of our sins were forgiven. We have newness in Christ. We're walking in relationship with him. And, and everything that, that we are is because of the blood of Jesus, that he died for us to give us eternal life. And if that's all that Christ did, we, we could ask for no more. And yet Christ gave us so much more. He, he gave us this thing that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. He gave us this amazing thing called prayer, that we can pray. And we have talked about the lordship of, of, of Christ in our prayers. We have talked about uh, Lord teaching us to pray. And we've talked about us as a group praying and, and this morning I want to talk to you about the last phrase, that infinitive, to pray. To pray. Not about prayer, but to pray. And here's what I'd like you to do. I want you, and this is for you, this is for your own edification, I want you to think about something that you have been praying for for a long time. Perhaps years. And you have not seen it come to pass. Or something that, that you really, really want. Maybe there's an immediate need that, that has just moved to the top of your prayer list. We have friends that we just, just found out just yesterday that their 35-year-old daughter has been diagnosed with cancer. Their prayer list just shifted. Something in your life that you want to see, that you have a passion about, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to write it down. This is for you. I want you to write down that, that prayer need, that prayer desire. Something that you want to see God do that you cannot do on your own. And I want you to hang on to that. When the disciples heard Jesus praying in Luke 11, 1, that must have been some amazing prayer. Because when they 
spoke to Christ after he had finished. He, they didn't interrupt him because there are sometimes I've heard some people pray and it's like, I'm not going to interrupt them because they're directly talking to God and I'm not going to do that. And so, you know, so after Jesus was finished praying, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Notice they did not say, Lord, teach us about prayer. They said, I want to know how to pray. I don't want to know about prayer. I don't want you to teach me on, on the finer lessons of prayer. I want to know how to contact our Heavenly Father the way you connect with Him. I want to be able to have powerful, effective prayers. So, Lord, teach us to pray. It's kind of like teach us to play basketball, teach us to run, teach us to jump, teach us to swim. They, don't want to, they didn't want to know the ins and outs and the finer points of, pray, of prayer. They wanted Jesus to say, here's a hands-on approach on how to pray. I think if there's anything that's missing in, in the church in America in 2017, it's this, that we know everything there is about prayer. We can recite the Lord's Prayer. We have written and, and read 15, 20, 30 different books on prayer. We have been to seminars on how to pray, and we know all the anachronisms on prayer that we can walk through in our prayer time. But somewhere down the line, we have to get to the place that we realize that it doesn't matter how much we know about prayer. Somewhere down the line, we have to get off the bench and we have to begin to pray, to move deep with God. Are you, are you with me? That's where we find ourselves. It wasn't that they didn't know how to pray. They knew how to pray. They had been praying with the Lord. They, they had heard the Lord pray before. But something must have been about that prayer that, that they, they said, man, I, I have to know how to engage in this thing called prayer the way he is engaging. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And if I was putting in mind, I'd say, like that. I don't want to pray like this. I want to pray like that. So I want to talk to you a few minutes about prayer if you want to learn to pray i don't know everything there is about prayer but i do know this to pray requires a dissatisfaction with your current prayer life as long as i am happy with where i'm at i will never grow deeper i have three daughters praise the lord hallelujah I have one daughter, if she, got a, if she gets a 98 on a test, she struggles and frets over that 2% she missed. There's consolation going on. I have another daughter that if she gets a 98, she is going to go to the teacher and convince them that the two points that she missed are actually correct and that the teacher's wrong. And by the time she walks out of the teacher's office, the teacher will have apologized to her for putting the wrong answer on the wrong test. I have a third daughter that when she gets a B, it's break out the hats, it's party time. And it's not because she can't get the A, it's just that she wasn't interested in the subject. Are you with me? 
it, it's, it's a lot easier to get a better grade when you're interested in the subject. And to be interested in a subject requires a dissatisfaction with where we are. You have to get to the place that you are dissatisfied with your current prayer life. I have known people, and, and, and I've known friends of mine that, that were very satisfied with their current prayer life. In fact, they were, dare say, on the verge of arrogant about that they knew everything about prayer. And I, I, I can remember one time in particular, we were in a prayer meeting, and I could sense the Spirit, the Holy Spirit was wanting to move and speak and talk to us. And, and yet, my friend was so focused that he knew how to pray that he rode right over the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because he already knew everything there was in his own mind. There was no dissatisfaction. He was very happy with his prayer life. If you want to learn to pray, you have to have a discontentment. See, because being discontent is a learning tool. tool. When you know that somebody is better, it can force you to improve. When I was in seventh grade, I hated Carlos Zarate. Hated the guy. On the same basketball team, I, I was learning how to play. I was doing pretty good. But Carlos did something that took my spot on the team. Carlos could dribble behind his back. I, and he did that, and I thought, and the coach put him in over me. I thought, stupid Carlos Zarate took my spot, made me mad. But guess what I learned? I was dissatisfied with how I played. So I learned to dribble behind my back because it forced me. Because dissatisfaction with your current prayer life you can either say okay you know I've got all these bad breaks or you can say you know I can learn to pray I have as many hours in the day as anybody else uh, all of us have 24 hours in the day we can learn to pray so what do we do what do we do if we're dissatisfied we just have to realize we haven't arrived yet we need to realize that we need to hang around people that know how to pray. I, I've learned how to pray from people that knew how to pray, and I've heard them, and I, and I, and I felt the presence of God in their prayers, and I realized, man, I, I, I want to engage in that. And, and you give yourself to the presence of God in prayer, that you move beyond, you move beyond the, the superficial, and you, when you begin to pray and you start praying, Lord, uh, I thank you for all your blessings, and then you start writing out your list of all the things that you're praying for. There is a place in prayer that you can get where you will lose all track of time, that you will lose track of your surroundings, that you can engage the presence of God, and that when the presence of God is just you and the Lord, you can get into that place that you can lose yourself. And you say, well, pastor, how do you know that? Because I have saw people do that. And I thought, I am not there. I was dissatisfied and I kept pushing. 
And I'm still learning. I'm still dissatisfied because to say you know everything about prayer is to say you know everything about God. And we will never know everything there is about God. But I want to know Him. So if I want to know Him, it requires a dissatisfaction with my current prayer life. And here's the amazing thing about prayer. It brings you closer to the Lord. And I have found this to be so true, and yet it's so ironic, that the closer I get to God, the more I'm aware of how sinful I really am. Isn't that amazing? And the more I'm aware of my sinfulness, the more I appreciate His grace. And I fall in love with Him more. If we want to pray, we have to get to the place that we have a dissatisfaction with our current prayer life. We also need to require, it requires a hunger to know God, a desire to know Him. Many of you may know the story of Aaron Ralston. He was the hiker several years ago that was out in, in Utah, out by himself hiking and got his hand caught in between two boulders couldn't move it couldn't get it out and and he was he had been there for two or three days ran out of water and he knew at some point he knew that if he did not get free if he did not free himself he was going to die and his hunger for life was so strong that he actually severed his own hand to set himself free if that would have been me, there would still be a skeleton just hanging there. Can you imagine what was running through his mind when he was having to wrestle with that? And yet the hunger to survive, to live, was so strong that he did what he needed to do. Sports teams that, that are are have talent and great ability a lot of times they lose because they lose their hunger to win it's those that are hungry that desire to win are the ones that achieve and a and to pray requires for us a hunger to know god a hunger and thirst after righteousness See, our prayers really won't change until until our desire to know god and his righteousness changes and it's amazing that God sometimes uses circumstances to invite us into a closer, intimate relationship with Him. Charles Wingle was, a, was an evangelist right around the turn of the, of the 20th century. And he and his wife and daughter were... were uh, were evangelists and they were preaching and, and, and God was using them and doing amazing things. And one day after a revival meeting, he went home to find a, his wife and said, I'm leaving you. I no longer want to be part of church. I do not want to be part of this life. I don't want to have anything to do with God. And walked off and left him. And in Charles Wingle, in his biography, he talks about 
the loneliness and the hurt and the struggle. But it was in that time, those circumstances, that he began to dig deep into a relationship with God through prayer. And it was in one of those times of prayer that God gave him a song, a song that most of us know. The words are simply, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Wow. The Lord can use the circumstances that you're facing right now to draw you closer to Him, to pull you into Him, because He desires to have an intimate relationship with you. You have to ask yourself, why did Christ come and die anyway? Was it not for God so loved the world? He loves us, and He wants to know us. He wants us to know Him, and we get to know Him in this thing called prayer. Hunger for God. The third thing that to pray requires a right relationship. It's not just having a relationship, but it's a right relationship. When the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, He said, okay. You have a hunger for it, and, and, and you want to pray. So when you pray, I want you to start off like this. Our Father. Our Father. He was trying to help them understand. He wasn't giving them a, a scripture that they could memorize, a, a, a prayer that they could remember, uh, memorize and just use it as a rote prayer. He was saying, here's the fundamentals. Here's the foundation uh, of your prayer life. It has to start off with our Father. You have to get a right concept of God. God is not mean. He's not vicious. He's not vindictive. When you're praying to Him, you need to pray just like you would uh, pray with, or, to a father. When you're talking to God, talk to Him as you would talk to a father. Our Father. That's hard for a lot of people to understand because a lot of people do not have a right relationship with their father. Many of you today grew up, maybe you had a great father. My wife had a fantastic dad. Mine died when I was nine. I grew up without a dad. So this is a lesson that I had to learn in prayer. You have to understand that, that earthly fathers can be austere, they can be mean, they can let you down, they, they, can, they can turn your world upside down, they can do a lot of things that are good and a lot of things that are bad. But when you're talking about your heavenly father, the scripture tells us that what a father is. A father, fathers correct their children because they love them. Fathers are encouragers of their children and fathers love their children. Sometimes our Heavenly Father will correct us. Sometimes our, our Heavenly Father will encourage us. But always our Heavenly Father loves us. You don't have to earn God's love. You don't have to try to be a certain way to earn God's love. God loves us. When we stand before him, he is not going to look at us and say, wow, look how holy of a life you lived. Woo, you're great. 
Because anything that we have that is pertaining to righteousness and holiness is because of Christ. But he is going to say, enter in. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Why? Because he loves us. His love is unconditional. He loves us when we are doing right, and he loves us when we are not doing right. But the right relationship with God is, is essential because we have to have that right relationship so we can hear from him because sin is a barrier that keeps us from going deeper with God. If we have something in our life that the Lord wants to remove, it's because he's wanting us to draw closer and to go deeper and to be more intimate with him. He is one, he's inviting us into a relationship where we can hear his voice clearer, that we can understand his love in a deeper capacity, but it's our sin that separates us. So he is not demanding that we get rid of something because he's austere. He is inviting us into a relationship that if we allow whatever it is in our life, life to set be set aside he'll usher in his presence that's why the scripture tells us to live a a righteous and holy life in the spirit of god it's not to keep us from doing all of these other things god knows that those things will keep you from him and his number one goal is to be there when you wake up to speak to you throughout the day to wrap his arms of love around you throughout the day and to give you strength and hope and encouragement the things of this world bind us and restrict us from our relationship with God. That's why to pray requires a right relationship. We don't want these things in our life because they hinder, they block, they put a facade in front of us that we cannot see clearly, we cannot hear clearly. Prayer, well, I want to go back up a minute. Not only do we need a right relationship with God, we also need a right relationship with one another. Do you know that Scripture says that if we don't have a right relationship with our spouse, that our prayers are hindered? And that's why Jesus said in Matthew, he said, if, if you're praying and you realize that your brother has something against you, go fix that. Because if we don't have right relationship with one another, we cannot grow deeper with God. It's not just our vertical relationship, it's our horizontal relationships that also affect us. We have to have a right relationship with God. We also have to have a right relationship with one another. And here's the amazing thing. When you really get down to it, and you get down to the, to the real nitty-gritty of, of everything, and, and, you know, and, and, and people hurt one another, and they say things, and they do things, and, and it's just going to happen. And you can be offended or not be offended. And what, what keeps you from being offended is simply this. That you look at the big picture. That Christ died for all. And in the big scheme of things, what people say to you, does it really matter? Is it more important than their salvation or your salvation? It's really not, is it? Is it more important to hold a grudge? Or is it more important to go deeper with Christ? That's why we forgive easy. We don't allow those things in this life to, to get us down, to burden us down. Oh, sure, we all, all of us get hurt. All of us get offended. 
but it's those that want to pray, those that want and desire a closer walk with God, that, that understand and realize that, that I'm going to forgive because in the end of things, it doesn't really matter. I just want to know Christ, and if I can't, and if I can't get to know Him the way I want to and harbor these feelings, then these feelings have got to go. So, if prayer requires a right relationship with God. It requires a right relationship with one another. And it also requires never giving up. Never giving up. In the passage of Scripture that was read this morning, I want to read it to you again, found in Luke 18, 1 through 8. It said, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. You have your prayers that you have been praying for for a long time? Don't give up. Don't give up. We should always pray and never give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. Notice that the scripture doesn't say that she was right or wrong. Because that, in this passage, is not relevant. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her continual coming to me. Wow. Think about that for a moment. You know, everywhere he went, walked out of his house in the morning. Here she was, eventually my adversary. He's over at Panera Bread trying to have a good a lunch. She walks by the window. Avenge me of my adversaries. You know, he's trying to get his car washed. He stops at the light. She runs out to his window, avenge me of my adversaries. Everywhere he goes, she's following him and says, you need to help me, you need to help me, you need to help me. The question is, why did she go to him? Because she knew he could solve her problem. He had the authority. He had the power. Why do we go to God? Because he can do anything. He has the authority and the power. I want you to listen to this, this verse in here. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. What he said, not what he did, but what he said. The unjust judge says, I don't care whether or not she's right or wrong. He said, I am going to meet her needs. I am going to judge in favor of her. Why? Because she keeps coming back to me over and over and over again. She will not relent. She will not give up. She is persistent 
She is, she is there every single morning. Between her and arthritis, man, I have no, no relief. She is there constantly, all the time. And Jesus said, I want you to listen what the unjust judge said. He was going to give her what she wanted because she was continually coming to him and reminding him. And Jesus says, don't you think that God who loves you is going to grant your need far more than this? This unjust judge will and how much faster will he do it because he cares for you Jesus was saying if you want to pray you have to be persistent you cannot give up it doesn't matter if it's been one year two years ten years don't give up don't quit keep on praying keep reminding God you say well I've already prayed once and God knows that's not what the scripture says he says keep on coming to me keep on knocking keep on pursuing me I know your need I will answer the need but keep on praying keep on pushing keep on asking keep on seeking keep coming before the throne of grace and I will give you the answer wow how many have a need how many have a need that you have not had the answer yet I want to encourage you today as our praise team comes don't give up. Pray. Pray strong. If there's something in your life that's hindering your prayers, whether it's a, something that's keeping you from God or, or, or with your fellow man, get rid of it. Dig deep. Pray. Learn to pray. Pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray continually. Keep on praying go before the throne of grace every single time you can and say God here I am and, and and I praise you and I worship you I know that you can do all things and and Lord you have not answered this this prayer yet but Lord I'm bringing it to you I need an answer when you keep praying don't give up don't give up I'm often, I often wonder sometimes when, when, when Abraham was talking to, to the Lord in, in, uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 18 and 19, he's, he's praying and the, and the Lord has already told him he's going to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and Abraham says, Lord, if there's a hundred righteous, will you save them? And he said, yes. And he said, well, Lord, what if there's 50 righteous? And he said, yeah. He said, Lord, well, don't be offended with me, but Lord, what if there's just 10 righteous? Just 10. And the Lord said, yes, I'll save them. And it's always been curious to me why Abraham stopped praying. Why didn't he go down to one? Did he think that with Lot and, and his family that there would have been 10? Why didn't he go farther? You may be one request away from seeing your needs met. It may be one prayer away from seeing your family bow their knee and give their life to the Lord. That closer relationship that you're wanting with God, it's found in prayer. Dig deep. Learn to pray. 
Learn to pray not only with your mind, but in the Spirit. Dig deep and allow God to bless you and to strengthen you and to grow you in a relationship with Him that you can say, as the Scripture says, in Him we live and we move and we have our being. Would you stand with me today? Here's what I'd like you to do. Everybody has their prayer request. I want you to take a moment right now where you are. If you want to pray quietly, you can. If you want to pray out loud, you can. However you want to connect with God, I want you to take that prayer request to the Lord right now. I want you to talk to him and say, Lord, I know you're sovereign. I know you can do all things. Your word says that we are to continually pray and not give up. So here I am again. Would you take your request to the Lord right now?